Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cash That. This is your host, Joe Delera. We have a lot of stuff going on today. And what we're actually going to be doing is we're going to be dropping this episode kind of in like a two-part bonanza. And the first part is going to be my picks for the Wednesday slate. And the second part is going to be a really cool interview with um, Fantasy Injury Tom uh, from the Fantasy Injury Team. And we're going to be talking about Desmond Bain's injury and, you know, how that could impact his performance, how that can impact his play and how, you know, there's some actionable angles from that. So I got to talk to producer Corey, see how he feels. Maybe it comes out in one episode because he wants to splice it all together. Maybe it comes out in two episodes. I'm not really sure, but all I do know is that I naturally had to make it a little bit more difficult for him because he's not with us again today. And I'm just incredibly sad because I kind of miss producer Corey. The guy's really nice. And instead, I'm just recording alone in my in my office. Uh, my dogs are here. But um, luckily, they're not barking, at least at the moment. I probably just jinxed it. But here we are anyway. So this is we got a lot of exciting things going on in the NBA. And obviously, the Desmond Bain injury is significant for a couple different reasons. But uh, like I said, we'll get to that in a bit. The first thing that I think is really relevant, though, is Nikola Jokic just entered into health and safety protocols and the line if you were following me on the action app we grabbed some nicks plus nine and a half and a little bit of the unders 232 uh i'm probably going to get out of that right now because it didn't move at all um i might just stay there and then like right and maybe try to middle here with the five and a half and the nine and a half um but we're going to be looking at that and then the rest of the slate's pretty good we got a couple exciting games one of which uh, I really want to hammer is the Pelicans versus the Bulls. Um, we're there's some sharp action coming in on the Bulls right now. But if you guys remember, we talked about this game when this te- these teams played. Um, I guess it was like a week ago on eleven nine, and even on eleven four, the Pelicans won both games, uh, one fifteen to one eleven, and one twenty nine to one twenty five. Um, this game is slated at Pelicans minus three and the over under is two twenty six and a half. So they're kind of splitting the baby between the first two games that where it was set at two eighteen and went over and then two thirty two and a half and went under. Um, this is going to be an interesting game. Zion missed yesterday's game against the Grizzlies due to uh, some like foot and ankle issues. But I think that it's a matchup thing. And I, I would expect him to p- probably play against Chicago in the event that he plays against Chicago. I could see this line with the Pelicans being at home uh, and both prior games being on the road where the Pelicans were plus two and a half and then minus two. I think this could go to minus five and a half or so. Uh, I think that he's worth that much the spread. And it kind of just depends on where this market settles right now. Um but as for that game, I really like the I really like the Pelicans. Uh, the Pelicans do what the Bulls do, but like better. And the problem with the Pelicans against a lot of teams is that they don't shoot a lot of threes, and it becomes a math problem. Luckily for them, Chicago also doesn't really shoot a lot of threes. Uh, they take threes at the third lowest rate in the league. The Pelicans are second lowest. So this is significant because the Pelicans are then better in the paint when you have guys like Jonas Valanciunas, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, CJ, CJ McCollum. Like you have these guys 
you can you have a better a significantly better matchup especially in terms of offensive rating net rating uh the bulls are 23rd in offensive rating uh adjusted offensive rating whereas the pelicans are eighth at the time of this recording at 114.9 so i'm absolutely looking for an opportunity to bet on the pelicans in this matchup the second game that i'm targeting and i really like is actually the um but but it's going to hinge on some injury news. It's the Indiana Pacers versus the um, versus the uh, Charlotte Hornets. So right now the Pacers have a better adjusted net rating than the Hornets. It's and it's fairly significant. Um, but the thing that I'm most interested in, obviously, and like I don't think that we can really take that the current standings into consideration are twofold. One of which is that Tyrese Halliburton popped on the injury report. And if he's out, you just can't bet on the Pacers. But I would be looking to play a little bit of TJ McConnell, triple double anybody that we might be able to, we're going to get some crazy lines on that. But TJ has been awesome where he, when he's in like a starting role and um, I'm going to pull those stats for you guys now, but He's been awesome in the starting role, and he should get plenty of run if Halliburton can't play. Now, the other thing here is that, and the reason that we can't really look at the Pelicans' current or the Hornets' current rating is because Lamelo is out. And Lamelo, he's interesting because the thing with Lamelo is that when he when he plays the team makes a lot more mistakes because he it's not that he's like really mis, it's not so much that he's mistake prone, but it's just that he wants to make the flashy pass. He wants to make the big play and that causes a lot more transition opportunities. And I think that that could maybe lend itself to an over, especially if Halliburton plays and I might be looking for some steals props for guys, maybe, maybe like a miles Turner, maybe a, a Tyrese Halliburton, maybe a Matherin, um, might be looking for some steals props for those guys because they're going to, they should be able to get some easier points in transition. Um, but if everyone plays, I much prefer the Indiana Pacers. They should be able to absolutely abuse this Hornets defense. Uh, they're 18th in the league, but th- the thing is like LaMelo makes the defense worse. And last season, um, you know, and on his career, he's he's a negative defensively. He's a positive offensively, obviously, and they really need him to make that offense flow. But the team isn't very isn't particularly good. Um, and I still like the Pacers here, who have shown that they have like a legit NBA offense when everybody's play, especially whenever he's playing, and they have a top ten uh, adjusted offensive rating in the league right now. I just wanted to bring it back to the McConnell thing as a starter over the course of his career, he's averaged 9.1 points, four rebounds and seven assists. So that is definitely a spot to kind of target. And, you know, we'll, we'll see if maybe if we can get some props uh, on TJ McConnell, especially because over the last two years, he's played eight games as a starter. And in those games, he's averaged 11.9 points, 5.3 assists, and four rebounds. And he's actually recorded one double-double against the Spurs. It was only in 26 minutes, too. He had 10 points and 10 assists. So we've seen him score more. Uh, We've seen him with a high of 19, another game at 18. 
Um, and the assists, his median output for assists is right around, like, I guess, like five and four, um, just because it's, it's an even number of games over the last two seasons. So definitely some stuff I'm going to be looking at for TJ McConnell, maybe a little PRA, honestly, because he kind of contributes everywhere. Um, with that, we also had another very significant, I don't want to call it an injury, uh, but we had some significant news in terms of the uh, in terms of the league. And that is Jokic being in health and safety protocols. So what I did was I looked over the last three seasons, he, Jokic has played so many games. It's actually hard to pull data about like what guys do without him uh, because he just de generally doesn't sit. And a lot of the guys over the last three years that have played games um, without him aren't even really on the team anymore. So one of the guys that did play games without him is Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon's played six games without him, averages 15.5 points, 7.2 rebounds. Um, in regard, And then if we look, Bones Highland, who also is in health and safety protocols, he played six games without him and uh, averaged 9.3 points, 2.3 rebounds, 3.7 assists. I, it just, it becomes like a very difficult scenario for betters, but especially for, the Nuggets, because if we look at this, if we look at this in terms of usage, um, Jokic is actually, he's not as high as you would think. He's at 27 and a half percent. And that's, a, that's obviously a very, very high number. But when we look at the past couple of years, he was at 32.3, 31.3, 28.8, 29.6. So this is actually the lowest usage he's had in about five years. And the guys that are really picking up and using, having more usage are Jamal Murray and, uh, you know, Michael Porter Jr. obviously is going to absorb some of that as well. What's going to be really interesting though is, who are they going to play at the five if he's really unable to play? Because you got Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan is like legitimately bad, and maybe you get a little bit as like like I, I, I'm you maybe you see some smaller lineups, maybe you see some more stuff with Bruce Brown, um, but they they don't they the Nuggets really don't have a good answer for not having their center. They don't have an answer. Like there's no way to replace Jokic. It's, imp it's impossible. And that's something that we know. And it's like, if he's out, this whole offense really changes. So the primary amount of minutes or without, without Jokic has been DeAndre Jordan or, um, or Jeff Green at the center position. There's been a little bit of Zeke Naji, but like very minimal. And these lineups without him on the floor are minus 18.8 to put that into perspective the nuggets as a whole on the season are a plus 3.4 so basically this the swing is the swing is obviously extremely significant on the season he has a plus 32.8 point differential per 100 possessions and he's been impactful on both ends of the floor i think it's going to make it very difficult honestly to bet on props for a lot of these guys as well um just because he, losing him changes the entire face of this offense and I, and and like really it's going to change the entire scope of what this team is able to do so until he's healthy until he's back I think it's a stay away. And that's even with some of those props that we love. Like Michael Porter Jr. is a guy that I loved in this game against the Knicks to go over if they were going to give that two and a half threes line again. 
The problem is, is that he obviously is going to receive a lot of those passes. Like he's not making that shot necessarily like he's being set up for that type of shot and without that type of court vision it's a little bit harder um because you were getting it from both you know you had you had very unselfish players between uh gordon murray Jokic, and and even porter so this is going to be very interesting to see how exactly this shakes out because we don't really have great data about the games in which he has not played over the past couple of seasons so there are two other key games that I want to talk about on this slate. Um, it's it's a little interesting because I was very excited for one of these. And that game is the Cleveland Cavaliers versus the Milwaukee Bucks. And it's a bit unfortunate that it sounds like uh, Jared Allen is not going to play in that game. That is going to be a problem, I think, for them. Really, the issue is that I think that Allen is the most important defensive piece on this team, not not Evan Mobley. And the reason I say that is when Allen missed time last year, Mobley was started to get not I don't want to say exposed. He's a rookie, but he started to be really tested on the defensive side of the ball. And that's a problem because he wasn't really coming up to the challenge. And I think that in this spot, particularly against you know, a Milwaukee team that has a guy like Giannis that has a finisher like Giannis and is so elite at the rim in terms of their finishing ability, that's going to be tough. And if, you know, if, if one of them gets, if Mobley gets into foul trouble, they're going to be really with their backs up against the wall. The thing that I think is most interesting about this game though, is that Cleveland has been very good at shooting the three ball. And that's come from Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Kevin Love. And the Bucks do a great job of not only limiting those opportunities, but also of defending those opportunities. And the Cavs, they have a top offense in the half court, but Milwaukee has the number one defense in the league. And by far the fewest half court points allowed with only 88 points per 100 plays. So there's not really the edge that I would like to see here for Cleveland, even though like when you're looking at this game and you're looking at this injury report, um, you know, you're saying like, well, you know, the bucks they're missing, you know, they're, they're missing some guys as well. Like they're obviously missing Middleton, um, which is significant, but in this particular spot, the bucks have played so, so well that it's hard to get around this. So even though they're missing, you know, they're going to miss, Grayson Allen as well. This is not a game where I think it necessarily matters because I think that the Cavs are going to struggle a bit. Um, the real key is going to be, does Drew Holiday play? Drew Holiday is listed as questionable right now for this game. If Holiday does not play, this and Carter has been incredible. And that's a PR, PRA play, PA play. That's fine. Um, the problem with this is that you don't have a guy to put on the Cleveland guards. Like you don't have that stopgap of Drew Holiday, who we've seen him, we've talked about him a ton, but his defense is critical. And I think not having him would really, really throw a wrench in this, like even more so than the Cavs missing Allen, uh, just because from the guard position and really like the Bucks, they're not the deepest of rotations right now. Um, and that's, you know, due to a lot of the salary reasons, but they don't have another really like great point of attack defender, at least in my opinion, to throw at 
the Cavs and those elite that elite guard play. So I'm a little bit concerned about that. Um, those are some of my thoughts on that game. It's hard to have a bet right now just because of what the injury status is and how I think it's so significant, at least in this moment regarding regarding these players, whether it's Drew, mainly Drew Holiday because we know that Jared Allen's going to be out. Um, I think it's hard to take a play here. If anything, I would probably lean on an under on a, on an under. Um, the total right now is two nineteen and a half, and I think you know you can maybe get a two twenty. I think that's that's more or less where I would go, just based on the fact that the Bucks defense has been so good, and even with Holiday maybe missing, um, I think schematically. They can maybe try to make up for it just a bit, but Holiday also would impact the Bucks' offense as well, like not having that true point guard. Finally, the game that the last game that I wanted to touch on is the Atlanta Hawks versus the Boston Celtics. I honestly grabbed the Celtics at minus three, and this line kind of moved against me. And it's Celtics minus one and a half. I think that this is a must play on Boston. Um, I will probably add to my position. Um, I Boston is playing absolutely incredible they are shooting the literal lights out and they're actually on pace i think to have one of the best offensive seasons of all time and look the hawks like they're they're putting up numbers they're putting up a record their record is nine and five which is good um but they're middling in the majority of their in the majority of their actual like advanced metrics. So I don't like this team. They don't shoot a lot of threes. And I think this is going to be a huge, huge math problem for Atlanta. So I'm going to be taking the Boston Celtics minus uh, really just on the money line at this point. And if you wanted to look at another bet, uh, their team total is set at 60 and a half. And that's a number they've gone over now in, I believe, uh, six of the last seven games. So those are my plays for this week's slate. Dino, take them out of here. Book them. Got Dr. Tom Christ here, uh, Fantasy Injury T, to talk to us about the Desmond Bain injury. Desmond Bain was just diagnosed with a right toe sprain. I don't know too much about it, so I've got my good foot guy over here, big foot fan. I love <laughs> Pete. Injury I love doing, Pete so much. Thank you for that. I'm doing, I'm, doing, I'm doing really well. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. Of course, man. So, um what are we what are we looking at here? I know Shams just tweeted this out and like what what does this injury do? Like what does this really mean for for Desmond Bain? So I think the first thing we need to note is what the report says. So it specifically states a grade two sprain. We'll start there, but I'll come back to that in a second. And then it also says that he'll be, and this is important, reevaluated in two to three weeks. I'm seeing some people saying that he's out two to three weeks. No, he's being re-evaluated in two to three weeks. That does not yeah. mean he's returning in two to three weeks. So the big toe is very significant. Um, it, every time we walk, run, jump, etc., a lot of our body weight goes through the big toe. It's it's our the final part of our body that's touching the ground when we walk, run, and jump. Yeah. So, so with that, I mean, it's a big toe for a reason. It takes on multiple times our body weight of force when we're running. So a grade two ligament injury is going to be pretty significant. Now, 
with ligament grades, a grade two indicates that there's a, a, a partial tear of the ligament and oh, some, sure. yeah, and some what we call laxity or, or increased motion in the joint. Not as significant as a grade three where there's a, a full tear of the ligament. Typically, those will need surgery. And there's like, you can bend the joint in all kind of crazy directions that it's not supposed to go in. Just join the circus. like Ex Exactly. But so with a grade two, we know that there is some tearing of the ligament. Now, the probably is not going to need to be surgically repaired. He's going to rest for at least two to three weeks. We know before he's reassessed again. And what they're looking for is, has his pain gone down? Has, is his um, this is toe moving how it should. Now that's on both directions. One, the joint is not hypermobile because of the increased laxity from the injury, but yeah. also that it has a full range of motion. The big toe needs to extend up to 90 degrees when we run. So that's kind of where we're at now from what we know as far as his injury and what we're looking at in the next couple weeks. Okay. So I, I know you're more of a football guy and that's what you do on you know, your podcast, your website. Um, what's the handle for that again? Let, let everybody know so they can check it out. So my Twitter is at fantasy injury and then the letter T and then the fantasy injury team page is at injury underscore fantasy. So I know you guys do primarily fantasy football related things. Obviously this is basketball. Uh, Desmond Bain, he's a shooting guard um, for the Memphis Grizzlies. So he is, you know, uh, for those of you who don't know, but he is a primarily, he's a shooter. He can drive, he, he can kick it a bit, but he's really looked at to shoot a lot of threes like and, and be a scorer. How do you think this could impact him from like a scoring perspective? And then is this like when you recover, what's the risk of re-injury uh, for something like this? Yeah, so this type of injury, it, it's going to impact – it would impact a football player more than a basketball player, so he's got that okay. going for him. Reason is because it the the toe takes on the more stress with linear forward sprinting than it would with lateral cutting because when you're, you're cutting side to side, you're more pushing off the outside of the foot, whereas when you're running forward, the toe literally bends 90 degrees. Got to, it. To propel you forward. But basketball players still run forward too. So it's going to affect him there. Driving explosive stuff more than than anything else. Um, being a jump shooter, he, he still needs to push off that toe. That's that last little bit of getting off the ground. And we know great jump shooters, if you watch them, their technique is the exact same every single time. Yep. Unless it's like, a, you know, like a fadeaway or something, something crazy. Yeah. So little alterations in their mechanics can go a long way for disrupting their flow of their jump shot. So, and I think that's something he'll be able to overcome, but I, I wonder if his first couple games back, he, his shooting percentage goes down a little bit and you see him missing more just mm -hmm. because his mechanics are, it depends when he comes back, but if he comes back pretty quick, his mechanics are probably still going to be off a little. Yeah, like a little wonky. Yeah. So, and I guess that that's kind of what it what it brings to me to the the second point of that was like, if he tries to come back fast, like is this something like it's a sprain? So like I know like personally, it's like if I sprain my ankle, it's like I'm not feeling great for like a while. Granted, like I don't get physical therapy like NBA players do, but like, what's your risk of re injury with this type of thing? Um, or does it like this type of injury make you more prone to then having other injuries like across like the, the movement chain or so to speak. 
Yeah. So let me start with with first um, the the re-injury. I think if they give him ample time, it shouldn't be too big of an issue. Um, yeah. If he's sitting a good four to six weeks, which is what I would expect, that's going to be adequate healing time for this ligament. Um, and then your second question, as far as move is impacting things in the movement chain, possibly, but not definitely. So that's going to come down to is his big toe after it's healed, still able to extend up to 90 degrees like it needs to. Yeah. If it's a little shy of 90, that's okay. But if we see a significant reduction and, and you know, I say, if we see, we're not going to know. But, yeah, we're not looking at his feet, but yeah, yeah, and the team's not going to tell us. But if there is a significant reduction of ten or twenty degrees loss or more in that big toe, then yes, it's absolutely going to change things mechanically. He's not going to be able to clear over his foot as well when he's running, walking. So then, what you see is that the foot kind of actually turns outwards with yeah. a typical, even just everyday walking, and and that just kind of changed things up the chain. But I would not expect this to be something that is a big issue long term yeah. for him unlike like a major ankle sprain with surgery would got it yeah and, and if they're going to rest him adequately then you know you kind of mitigate some of that potential risk i guess in the in the chain the movement chain as well so um that makes a lot of sense tom is there anything else that you think you know, is relevant for that injury or just, you know, just, we just kind of have to wait it out. And he's probably going to be out at least, at least a month realistically. Yeah. I think a month is, is realistic and just kind of circling back to, to what I mentioned at first, like the report is he's being reevaluated in two to three weeks. So I just want people to make sure they don't get that confused with he's returning in two to three weeks. I think it will, a month I, I would say is probably a realistic time point to, for, yeah. to return. Yeah, and that that makes a lot of sense. And then from a betting perspective, guys, like before I let Tom go here, but from a betting perspective, John Morant scores about five more points a game without uh, without Desmond Bain in the lineup, and uh, Dylan Brooks scores roughly like four more points a game. He's at about twenty one and a half. So those are important usage things because those are the guys that would probably or primarily fill in that role, that scoring role. Uh, obviously, John Morant, everybody knows, everybody loves him. Uh, so you expect him to score a little bit more. But from an actionable perspective, we can look at that and say, like, these are the guys that are going to pick up the slack and how they're probably going to score maybe like three, four more points a game. So there's definitely some some value to be had in some of the betting lines. But Tom, it was a pleasure having you on. I appreciate you taking a couple minutes out of your busy day here. Uh, and you can find Tom at Fantasy Injury T. And the podcast is at Fantasy Injury Team. And you got some big injuries, I think, this week to talk about, right? It is loaded. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. I mean, Cooper Cup's obviously the, the big one. But then, like, last night, Dallas Goddard got hurt. Today, Cleo Herbert's put on the IR. The list goes on and on. And we're going to be busy this week. All right, guys. So that episode comes out, I believe, on Wednesday as well. So uh, be sure once you listen to Cash That, once you listen to this uh, extra episode, be sure to like, subscribe, follow them. Apple, Spotify, you guys are on all the major networks there. So thanks, Tom. I appreciate you talking feet with me. Appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks, man. To leave you with a final recommendation, I am going to recommend split pea soup because it's the best soup of all time. It's soup weather guys. And I got mine at Whole Foods today. 
And it really just warmed up my soul, warmed up my hands, warmed up my body. And it was, it really cut through this rainy, rainy Tuesday. So with that, get your split pea soup. It's green. Keep those green check marks and let's cash that. I'm <laughs> sorry.